This is What The Flux. I'm Brett. And I'm Justin. And it's Friday the 4th of September. Justin, I can confirm Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have signed a deal with Netflix to produce, quote, impactful movies and shows. (laughs) Their movie star careers have officially begun. Brett, Pakistan has blocked five dating apps, including Tinder and Grindr, on the grounds of immoral and indecent content. Each country to their own, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Three really exciting stories today, Justin. It's Friday. Let's do it. For our first today, COVID has officially pushed Australia into its first recession in nearly three decades. Not the ideal way for me to start my Friday, Brett, but what is the story here? (laughs) The big number here is seven. The Australian Mm -hmm. economy shrank by 7% between April and June this year. I.e. the single largest drop on record for a three-month period. Australia has now entered an official recession. Something we knew back in June, but now it is official. In fact, we haven't had an economic contraction this big since the 80s. Around the time of the great Crocodile Dundee, I believe. <laughs> I gotta say, 29 years of economic growth is a pretty epic run. A run that was largely fueled by China's big appetite for our mm-hmm. commodities. AKA, iron ore and coal. So what's the key learning here? When comparing our quarterly economic results against previous quarterly results in Australia, we've mm-hmm. done poorly. But comparing these results against other countries facing the pandemic, we've done pretty, pretty, pretty well. Only three countries in the world perform better than Australia. And Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the US, you name it. They've really seen their economies shrink dramatically in the first half of this year. The UK seen a 20% drop. Ouch! A big part of our economic recovery in Australia will continue to be how the government helps out Aussies and also Aussie businesses. With government programs like JobKeeper and JobSeeker Mm -hmm. being reduced and dropping off over the next few months or so, time will tell as to how long a recovery will take, my friend. For our second story, back in May, Joe Rogan shocked the podcasting world when he agreed to an exclusive $100 million licensing deal with Spotify. This week, his podcast made its big debut. The big reveal. So what is the story (laughs) on this one? Well, let's take a walk down memory lane, shall we? Early last year, Spotify came out and said audio, not just music, would be the future of Spotify. Get this. In 2018, Spotify had 185,000 podcasts on its platform. Now, it has over 1.5 1.5 million. And 2019 was a big shopping year for Spotify. It bought many podcast companies with a total spend of around Ooh, $750 million. And also this year, Spotify signed Michelle Obama and Kim mm. Kardashian West for their big podcast. Names. Perhaps 2021 will be the year for What the Flux and Spotify? Kidding, kidding. We love you too, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> so what's the key learning here? When your core revenue stream isn't working as well as it should, look around for something else and ideally something better. Spotify's focus on podcasts can be traced back to one important thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually make that much money from music streaming. Fun fact, Justin, Spotify loses around 75% of its revenue to royalties which are paid to record labels and music publishers. So for the big S, Joe Rogan is the beginning of the new, hopefully more profitable Mm. Spotify. One with a lot of exclusive content that they actually own. For our third and final story, dating app Bumble, where women make the first move, is preparing for an IPO. Big move here, Justin. Very interesting timing. So what's the go here? Some context. Bumble's biggest rival, Match Group, which owns Tinder and Match.com and Hinge, has seen its share price go up over 800% since its IPO five years ago. So Bumble's sitting here thinking, given our app is way better than yours, we can do way better than that. Word around town is that Bumble's IPO could be worth around 8 to $10 billion. Which is double the approximate $4 billion that Bumble's parent company, Magic Lab, was worth just last year. And that was when private equity firm 
Blackstone bought a majority mm-hmm. ownership in the yeah. company. So what is the key learning here? When private equity firms invest in companies, mm-hmm. generally they expect to make their money back when the company sold or yeah. IPO'd years later. But in this case, with Bumble, the traditional mm-hmm. private equity time schedule has kind of been thrown out the window. That's because Blackstone's exit from Bumble, when Blackstone sells its ownership in Bumble, will come just a year after it invested in the company. The share prices of many tech companies, Justin, have been very strong this year. So I get it. Bumble's thinking, let's strike while the iron's hot. And its investor Blackstone is more than thrilled to come along for the ride. (laughs) And see their investment double in almost 12 months. Flux family, we love having you with us each and every week. So if you're enjoying the show, just a reminder to subscribe or follow. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on Monday.